0: We always hear nowadays that we have to be present, yet when you really think about it, more than a third of our lives are spent talking to ourselves as we reflect, reminisce, and play out scenarios in our heads, just like what I did now. And as far as we know, we are the only species on Earth with the ability for introspection. And I think this is because of the prefrontal cortex and everything, but this allows us to solve problems, make decisions, and even plan for the future. But too much also of this introspection can be a bad thing, since this is what becomes chatter. The book mentions that it is a loop of negative self-talk, so how do we turn the negative being in our heads into pretty much our best friend? Hi, I'm Day, and you're listening to the Daily Book Club, The Audio Experiment. And since this is an audio experiment, I'll try to do things a little differently, based on your feedback. I did a poll, and 80% of you mentioned that you wanted longer-form content. So for this episode, I'll just do a free-flowing discussion. So I would love to know your thoughts on it. Anyway, today I'll be discussing Chatter by Ethan Cross, starting now. So we all have this inner voice so that we could evaluate our past and prepare for the future. And like I mentioned, we are the only species that are able to do this, to find meaning in our experiences, and this shapes our identities as we grow. And from time to time, we do drown in too much inner voice, which hinders us from functioning in the real world. And this happens also to pretty much all of us, right? So what can we do? Here are the takeaways that I got from this book. One is that you have to be a fly on the wall. Two, we have to be able to meet our emotional and cognitive needs. And three, if we believe something will make us feel better, it actually will. So let's go and talk about the first one, be a fly on the wall. So we have to imagine that a negative memory, or imagine a negative memory as a video on your phone and picture the event as if it were happening to someone else and you're a fly on the wall watching everything happen. This is what the author calls the fly on the wall perspective. And this technique has been proven that it gives people who use it more clarity about their problems and showing lower stress and emotional responses in their brain because of the detachment. So another easy way to do this is to pretty much address yourself and talk to yourself as you were someone else. So let's say I was angry about something. Then I can just ask myself, hey, Dave, um, why were you so angry about a project a while ago? Or "Day, why were you so angry at John? Or something like that. And this is called distancing, but you can also use it with time. And I, and I use this all the time. So for example, I had a stressful work deadline. And I keep stressing about it because it's, it's work that's important, supposedly. But when I think about how little it will matter in the next year or even the next five years, this pretty much puts things into perspective. You know, sometimes I just realize that it's not worth stressing on because it's not going to matter for me in a year or five years. At the same time, for other things, I realize that since it's going to matter for me in a year or even in five years, This just means that this is very important and you realize that there is a reason why you're stressing so much on it. This also helps me to see what I should be focusing on because if it does not matter in a year or five years, then I shouldn't be working on it or stressing on it too much. But if it's gonna matter for me in a year or five years, I should be doing something about it. And interestingly, this is how I was able to finish my studies. I mean, even if I did not want to make the paper or, you know, it's just not pleasant writing papers. But because I knew that my actions today will affect the years in front of me, I had to put in the work. So learning to look at things or ourselves at a greater distance the same way we see others leads to more wisdom. So, Because it's about seeing the big picture as well as understanding the limits of our knowledge. I also just like to mention that when we think about time, we could also look back in history to see what are the things that happened similar to what's happening right now to give us clarity of things. So let's put that into context and say the pandemic today, right? You can look at history and realize that, you know, COVID would also pass based on the different pandemics that were there in the past. So yeah, distancing is a very powerful thing. So try to be a fly on the wall. Let's now go to takeaway number two. Meet your emotional and cognitive needs. So this is very interesting, too, since we were always told that sharing our feelings will make us feel better, but it actually doesn't since there are factors that have to be in place. So always telling people that we have to be sharing our feelings and being vulnerable may not always be right or healthy because the emotional and cognitive needs have to be fulfilled. So when we feel bad, we want to feel consoled because this makes us feel safe and this is how we fulfill our emotional needs, but it's not just the emotional needs, but we also need perspective. This is why most of the time when people empathize with us and we sometimes feel worse because of co-rumination, I mean, you go to the rabbit hole of sharing the bad experience and they keep asking, making you revive the whole details or experience all over again. So the solution here is not empathy, but perspective. I mean, empathy is good, but there should be perspective. When we go look for support, we have to have someone that will shift our focus to a solution rather than staying focused on the problem and talking about it over and over and again. And this is where different people may come in. And here is the hard truth. The people that you love and respect may not have all the answers. Or maybe they're the ones that will always empathize with you but never give you perspective. Maybe because they might hurt your feelings or... They just don't want to ruin your relationship. And this is where different people come in because the reality is that one person can't help deal with all the chatter in the various parts of your life. So now let's go on to our last takeaway. If we believe something will make us feel better, it actually will you know, placebos, lucky charms. Well, talking about placebos, it's not just in the medical field, right? Humans have always been giving power to objects, concepts, and ideas. And in turn, those objects, concepts, and ideas give us back that power. It's like when you give the power to a lucky charm, saying that that will actually make you ace a test. And when you ace that test, that power, in theory, went back to you. And it has been proven time and time again that the placebo effect actually works. It can relieve both physical and emotional symptoms. And the simple explanation on why this actually works is that the human brain loves prediction. It's just like walking. It's subconsciously based on predicting where you can safely place your foot. Or when you take medicine to cure a headache, you tell yourself that when you do, you will feel better and the inner voice begins to shift. And whether you know it or not, you pick up a lot of these beliefs from your environment and culture. It's like the fan death belief in Korea that electric fans can kill you in your sleep, and and I believed this for the longest time, and I was so scared when I lived in the Philippines and one of my roommates turned on an electric fan in the middle of the night while in an enclosed room. <laughs> well, speaking of the Philippines, There's this thing called pasma where it's a condition that you get when you get exposed to something cold or when there is a sudden shift of temperature. So it's like maybe you're doing manual labor with your hands and your hands are tired. You should rest them because if you actually wash your hands with cold water, you will get pasma. It can also be random rituals like uh, me. I actually wear a watch just to feel professional. And I feel like I can teach or present better if I'm wearing a watch. Which is weird. Another example may be Steve Jobs, where he talks to himself in the mirror every morning. See, all these work because they reduce the chatter by distancing you from the problem. So it reduces anxiety, as well as give you a sense of control. So sometimes it even gives you something else to blame. So those were the three takeaways. One, be a fly on the wall. Two, meet your emotional and cognitive needs. Three, if you believe something will make you feel better, it will. And that was a quick summary on Chatter by Ethan Cross. Here's an actionable advice that you can do. Try journaling. If that seems too daunting, try to just write down your thoughts and worries. I mean, this helps you distance yourself. And when you're able to transfer them into writing, most of the time, you'll feel much better. If you want to learn more about journaling, you can actually read the book Bullet Journal Method. I think it's called The Bullet Journal Method by Ryder Carroll. For me, that's the best book out there for journaling by far. Anyway, till the next episode, thank you for listening to The Daily Book Club, The Audio Experiment.